0: This week on Thinking Biblically, Avner Bosky from Israel is back, and we're going to be talking about Russia, Ukraine, anti-Semitism, rising totalitarianism, and Israel. Welcome back to Thinking Biblically, a podcast dedicated to exploring how all Scripture speaks to all of life. We're recording this on Tuesday, April the 19th, 2022, the fourth day of Passover. If you haven't had a chance yet to check out last week's episode, um, I discussed there the importance of Passover. Um, I'll put the link in the description. And all the information is there concerning my special virtual Seder, which includes contributions from people in North America, England, Singapore, Egypt, and Israel. One of our Israeli contributors, Uh, to that virtual Seder is with us today. This is Avner Bosky's second time on Thinking Biblically. He was here several months back sharing his personal story, which I'm also going to put the link in the description to that. Uh, Today, he's going to help provide a biblical perspective on what's happening with Russia and Ukraine for some background on Avner. Along with his wife, Rachel, Avner oversees Final Frontier Ministries, originally from Montreal, as I am. They've lived in the 'er Beersheva region of Israel for the past about 20 years. Avner's a writer. His books include Jews, Arabs in the Middle East, a Messianic Perspective, Israel, the Key to World Revival, and How to Be Messianic Without Becoming Meshuggah. Avner also writes regular biblically-based opinion pieces on Israel and the Middle East. Avner and Rachel have produced several CDs featuring songs in English, Hebrew, and other languages while incorporating a wide range of musical styles. His CDs, books, and other writings are available on his website, davidstent.org. Welcome back, Avner. You are muted still.
1: How about yeah. that. There we go. It's good to be here yeah. with you.
0: Yeah. So um, just before we went on, we we're talking about the fact that um, you have some direct experience with the region seeing that you and rachel were in russia for a time why don't we start could you explain some of that what were you doing when that when did that happen and all that
1: sure i would even go back even further because both my parents were committed stalinist communists and uh were involved in activities uh, on working on behalf of the soviet union for many years many years ago they have both passed Uh, I uh, went to uh, Russia to work with a fellow named Jonathan Burnus years ago in his festivals, Messianic festivals of music and dance, which were basically outreach in various cities like Moscow, St. Petersburg, Odessa, Minsk, and Kiev, each one for about a month at a time. And uh, toward the end of that time, uh, Rachel and I ended up going to pastor a congregation which had been planted by Jonathan uh, in St. Petersburg, but he was traveling, he wasn't there anymore. So basically, we pastored there for about a year, year and a half in St. Petersburg, Russia. And uh, so the combination of both how I was raised by my parents and then finally to go to that land and see what's actually happening, especially among the Jewish people, uh, was quite a privilege.
0: Remind me again, when, when was that? 1994,
1: 5, 6.
0: And of course, uh, like my family, and you mentioned you, your folks, there's all this, all this background back in that part of the world, right?
1: Mm-hmm. My family came actually not... Russia conquered everything at one point, so all these different countries today were once called Russia so Poland Ukraine uh Lithuania Belarus uh four different countries
0: yeah so um earlier this month uh you wrote three articles uh on on Russia and Ukraine uh what prompted you to write them
1: so actually i ended up writing nine uh but somewhere a little bit before as well uh what prompted me is i found that most people in the west Uh, Don't speak Russian, which is no big surprise, but they also know very little about either communism or the history of Russia or the power politics of that whole Central and Eastern Europe. So basically what they do is they go to McDonald's, which is called the local news, and they get a bite of something, and then they repeat it as if it's authoritative. And in most cases, it's really not based on people who, who know a lot about what they're talking
0: so um i hope you don't mind this question what makes you better than the quote unquote mcdonald's of news and media where are you getting your information well, well from?
1: that's a lovely question and i think the answer is i'm not better the question is are we all applying ourselves to study the facts of what's going on based on history based on politics based on the quotes of the people involved based on knowledge of what's happened over the past 100 years or 200 years in that country? And the answer is news media basically, unfortunately, has gotten dumber and dumber like the title of that movie to the point where we can't always depend on anything news media says, we have to study for ourselves. And that's why God has given us Dr. Google so that we can, each one of us, begin to investigate at a deeper level and we need to do that to know what's going on.
0: Now, we we weren't really going to talk about this, but I think it's so important. Um, So when you go to Dr. Google, as you call it, um, (laughs) how how do we know we're getting to the right kind of information? Um, You know, and this is not the only topic like this. There's just so much noise and so much opinion and all the rest.
1: Totally true. And that goes back to something more fundamental, which uh, used to be what schools are supposed to train you to do which is to think and to think carefully. Uh, Today, we have a very short attention span. We have, uh, instead of scenes in movies lasting four seconds, they last about half a second. And that's kind of the attention span of the average viewer. So learning how to weigh information, this is what your mommy and daddy were supposed to tell you. But if they didn't, the school was supposed to. And if they didn't, the university is supposed to tell you. But today it's not happening. So really, it involves a certain amount of discipline and study that doesn't come from the seat of your pants.
0: Yeah, and I and I have been through the years um, when I've I've read your writings. I've been impressed by how how thorough you've been, how detailed. You're not scared to get into into the depth, into the details, uh, and to unpack complex things instead of what, well, you what know, a lot of.
1: Yeah, there were there were there were prophets like Amos who was a uh, take he took care of sycamore trees, and then there were court prophets like Isaiah who were involved with royalty. They all had something to say.
0: That that's a good point. You know, not everybody needs to do exactly what you're doing, but you know, there's a because we seemingly have this ready access to experts. Um, all of a sudden, everybody you know, as they gather around the, the water coolers of life, however they're doing that, um, we're just so quick to, to pass on this latest bit of information we heard from the, whoever it is we might trust, whether it's a traditional news source or uh, some non-traditional news source, but for some reason we latch on to things, then everybody sounds like they're an expert. And uh, it's, it's so necessary to break through that to get to, you know, to the real stuff.
1: Yeah, I call it like gossip or pornography in terms of both news and politics, where everyone's an expert. They say in Yiddish that an expert is someone 50 kilometers away from home.
0: Do you want to explain that in case people don't understand?
1: (laughs) Sure. In other words, when no one can check on what you're saying, whether it's true or not, you can say anything you want.
0: Yeah. We've always, we've found, like, we've... um my wife and I have been kind of close to some news stories, and we learned pretty quickly that the more you know, the more you actually know about the actual thing that's being reported, uh, the less true the media reports seem to be. But the less, less you know about it, all of a sudden it sounds like it is the absolute truth.
1: I was amazed to see, going back about three months ago, that there was a certain demonstration of a certain position here in Israel where they had over 10,000 people in the demonstration that it was not reported at all on the news. But the same day, there were four small demonstrations of 10 to 15 people which were reported.
0: Yeah. And we're in the capital city of Canada here in Ottawa. And we've seen the exact same thing that yeah. uh, the the media decides what windows, you know, what, what blinds to open to allow people to see and, and they keep the other one shut. Sure. And so sure. uh, that one of the things in this in this highly polarized time that i've been trying to to push against myself is if if we don't believe that let's say traditional media is giving us the the goods we want to be careful i think we should be careful not to do the same kind of thing with the other side of the argument we want to make sure that we really are doing the kind of critical thinking that you're thinking about and get to the truth no matter you know, if if it fits in with our personal narrative and preferences or our version of of life and spirituality, it shouldn't matter. Uh, I remember hearing I can't quote this um, something that Francis Schaeffer said many years ago that the the true believer in the Messiah should be so keen to discover truth that they're willing even to put their faith on the line um, because the value of of truth is 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 should be so high that we'd be willing to question what we believe uh, if if our faith is is being questioned.
1: That's right. There's an excellent book out by Rod Dreyer, made the top of the New York uh, uh, Times list of books for a long time. It's called Live Not By Lies. I recommend it as well. Specifically yeah precisely this issue. I would add, by the way, that in our day of conflicting narratives and what you call postmodernist truth, that nobody has truth, we all have only a portion. If we go back to 1936 or 39 in Europe and we see Hitler, would we say the same about Hitler? That it's not enough to just uh, buy what the British are saying about Hitler, but we need to really have Hitler in his own words, give him a chance. He's a fair man. We don't want to say anything wrong about him. So it, there's an issue also of morality and righteousness here as well. And um, and sometimes people assume that everybody's wrong. And uh, as Steve still says, uh, nobody's right if everybody's wrong. But that's from a song of his called uh, um, For What It's Worth.
0: And so while it is difficult, to discover what, what's really going on in any situation, it, it's certainly, it's, it's worth the work. Um, there's something that you mentioned in, um, in the part one. I know there's, and you mentioned this before we came on, about these nine articles, but the, uh, in preparation for today, um, you did mention that you're writing a three-part, three-part thing on the situation, and I can, I'll, if you like, I could point people to the, the other six as well but uh, you definitely have a part one part two part three um, on russia and ukraine and uh, in part one i I really appreciated this statement from uh, first corinthians 6 verse 3 where paul writes do you not know that we are to judge angels how much more than matters pertaining to this life now i i brought up that passage in a recent podcast i did uh, where i was talking about um, resolving division and how Believers uh, often are not good at resolving division uh, because often we think that everybody just has to get along and uh, we don't We often don't even have the will to pursue what's really true because we're often concerned that's going to divide people But you can't have unity without truth, right? And so uh, I was dealing with that on a more personal communal level. You brought up this verse in this more in an like, inter, international situation now a, while there are a lot of bible believers who are concerned about political things um i get the impression that most if they are concerned about russia and ukraine are are focused solely on the very important aspect of people's personal lives how do we help these people? How do we, how do we pray for their well-being? Uh, what, what Should we be helping these refugees? How do we help the refugees? And that sort of thing. But do you think there's more for the average believer to be concerned about than simply people's personal lives when it comes to a, a serious conflict like this?
1: Sure. Let me give you two examples. One would be Friends of Israel Ministries back in the World War II times. Their focus was on bringing material help and rescue to Jews uh, in uh, Nazi-occupied Europe. Valid, valid ministry. The other one was Rees Howell, who was in Wales, and he had an intercessory school where they were praying for the success of the Allied soldiers in combat. And God would tell them how to pray for battles, and there were no telegrams, no cell phones, and God would show them how to pray so i think sometimes a separation between spiritual slash physical need on one hand uh, and then the issue of is god setting up his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven many of us are very influenced by hellenistic greek thought where we think if it's spiritual it can't have any physical ramifications and c.s lewis wrote his book called *Perelandra* and that hideous strength also three parts out of the silent planet uh talking about that very issue and he wrote it during world war ii so yeah i think there are issues where spiritual issues turn into physical warfare as with joshua i don't think god has thrown joshua out of the bible
0: you did bring that up in in one of the articles that that you quoted one of my favorite bible verses when uh, the commander of the army of the Lord, or actually Joshua, confronts this stranger, um, and he asks him the typical, my paraphrase, "Friend or foe?" To which, in Hebrew, the uh, the strange, mysterious person says, "Lo, no, neither." Uh, it's almost like wrong question, and he says, "In the name of the of of uh, in the name of the Lord of hosts, I have come." Now. I've tended to push for the, the no bias sort of thing on God's part, and uh, people know I do a weekly Torah bites based on the the weekly Torah portion, and I believe it was last week's one, it was based on that passage, um, and I think you might agree that ultimately God's not biased in in his in his own nature, and is it not a question of, uh, it's not a question of whose side is God on, but who is on God's side?
1: Well, that's partly true. Of course, the context of that passage is that God says he is the captain of the armies of Israel, and that he's chosen Joshua to go in and destroy Jericho. So if we understand that context, then it's not that God is not choosing sides. Uh, He already has his own side. Joshua's on his side. Joshua's under his authority. And so most people look at that come from a pacifistic perspective and not from an expositional or exegetical perspective. So yeah, he was called to go in and wipe out Jericho. It was a holy thing. What he said is, are you Jericho or are you Jew? And God said, neither. I'm in charge of this whole thing and you're under my control and I'm sending you to destroy Jericho. See, that's the context.
0: Right, don't you think though there is there is danger when when for argument's sake let's say God chooses us, and then we think He's become a possession of ours rather than we become a possession of His.
1: That is true whether you're pacifist or military.
0: Right. But the
1: context here is military.
0: Right. So let's so getting back to that example of of Reese Howell uh, uh, Howell Howells.
1: howell
0: h-o-w-e-l-l Howell. and uh his intercessory prayer ministry and very specifically targeted on on strategies that they believed the lord was giving them they were actually in a sense spiritually taking sides in 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 that conflict now looking back i think a lot of people um, looking back take sides but i get the impression back in those days people hesitated to take sides is it, um,
1: well, um, you no. Know, yes and no. Beforehand, there were always people both in America and Canada and Britain who were either pacifistic or who were leaning to work with the Nazis, without question. And you can read about people like uh, uh, Stevenson and a man called Intrepid and the difficulties that Britain had getting America to be, take an anti-Nazi position, without question. But they were Nazi sympathizers, so that's another issue. So if one would say, were there Nazi sympathizers who weren't in favor of fighting Nazis, I would say
0: 100%. But how about going back to this kind of spiritual thing that, oh, it's not really for us to be even thinking in terms of really who's right and who's wrong. You know, Lord, please just protect all the children and take care of all the people and put an end of the conflict on men and not ever pray... Uh, bring an end to this person's tyranny.
1: Yeah. And again, some of this does go back in terms of the history of the Protestant church, uh, to those Protestants who were not in power. So uh, it could be Anabaptists who ended up pietistic often. It could be Protestants who were being persecuted by the Catholic monarchs. When one is powerless, one tends to look for defense for one's position. When it's one is strong, one tends to be bold about one's own position. But I think the issue in terms of uh, there's two different issues you're asking. One is, does God authorize a sword, uh, which is a, Re- a Re- Reformation question based on Re- Romans 12? And the other thing is, um, are there, is there evil in the world? And there's a third question, which is, does God sometimes use evil people and governments? Yes. Does he send Daniel the prophet to speak to some of these leaders? Yes, he does. In the end, does he destroy those kingdoms? Yes, he does. So there's a lot of questions here. In the meantime, we're dealing with uh, an invasion of a country by another country, uh, where most of the targets are actually civilians, and that's that's a matter of its own value, right there, ethically.
0: Okay. Hey, now, in your in your articles, the the main motive, it seemed, is that you were concerned, are concerned, that uh, there's a narrative whereby uh, you, there's all this neo-Nazi and anti-Semitic activity happening in in Ukraine, and that somehow some people believe that that Putin therefore has some moral high ground in putting an end to that, and that's some of the justification, or that's the justification of, of, uh, of what they're doing. Um, and, and you make the statement in that part one of the three. Uh, in the same way, I suggest the moral equivalencies between Russia's evil and Ukraine's evil are eminently unhelpful in terms of clearly understanding or proactively responding to the threats there. We need to grasp that Russian threats are not only coming against Ukraine, they apply immediately to the entire European theater, and their ramifications and blowback will affect the entire world. So there's a couple of things. There's the, could you address somewhat briefly this whole um, claim of, of needing to snuff out neo-Nazism in Ukraine as a justification of, uh, of this, but also from there could you move on to what does this mean for the rest of Europe?
1: Well, the Jewish community of Ukraine doesn't agree with uh, Putin's uh, analysis, first of all. Second of all, the percentage of those who are neo-Nazi within Ukraine uh, is approximately 1%. These are according to scholars of anti-Semitism in uh, Eastern Europe. Third of all, the... um, Growth and position and influence of neo-Nazism in Russia is huge. And I had a whole newsletter dealing with what's going on in Russia about these things. Um, as a matter of fact, again, one can go on off on this a lot, but one can find sources very, very easily that talk about the fact that if the issue were trying to crush neo-Nazism, then... Uh, What do you have groups like the Wagner Group, which is a uh, mercenary group on uh, best of terms with Putin, who are involved in uh, doing dirty tricks around the world where they are all uh, following Wagner, Nazi, Nazi tattoos, and that whole type of thing. So, yeah, uh, the issue of this, these are Putin's talking points, basically. So those people, and I forget all their names in America, who are quoting Putin's talking points and saying this is prophetic and it's the rod of God, they don't know what happened in Russia over the past 120 years. They don't know the main sources of anti-Semitism, like the protocols of Zion, learn elements of Zion, came out of Russia. They don't know how for years Russia wouldn't talk about Babi and the Nazi destruction there. Uh, They don't know so many, many things. Now, the other side. Ukraine has a wonderfully terrible history about anti-Semitism. Now, it's not strong in the past maybe 20, 30 years, uh, but they're much less polite about it than Canada. But Canada has actually awarded statues and honors to some of these Ukrainian neo-Nazis as well, which is another issue to think about. And that's a long story, and we don't have enough time to go into all these things. But yes, there's been Nazism and neo-Nazism in Britain, France, Germany, Poland, Ukraine, Latvia, Russia, Canada, and America. So which one are we going to focus on and why? The question is, is Putin being accurate in his charges, and he is not at all being accurate in his charges?
0: So then, do you want to make a statement on, before we move on to what this means for Europe and the world, with all Uh, that you've said? Yeah, go ahead. Sure.
1: I think that people, um, because people have become postmodernist or because they think that no one really believes anything or you have PC, politically correct positions, they assume the whole world agrees with that. It's just not true. Uh, To study what's going on in Russia and what motivates Russia means one has to look at the Tsarist times, one has to look at the issue of the Russian Orthodox Church, one has to look at the issue of what communism was trying to do. Uh, Over time, one has to look at the way Russians, whether they're Tsarists or Putinists, look at the rest of the world. Apart from that, there's no context going on. It's just like the goose to whom every day is new. And that's the way much of what is, is being reported today. So yeah, there is an imperialistic goal, whether it's communist or tsarist or post tsarist coming out of Russia. It's no different than Babylon or Assyria or Greece or Rome. We shouldn't be surprised. We haven't passed beyond the realm of dictatorial superpowers. It's really part of our history, and it's happening now. And so Ukraine is important for the imperialist vision of Russia. It's very big, it's got a lot of resources, and it's the key to moving westward. Barely 70 years ago, Russia moved westward, and people were concerned about how far France was turning communist. Britain had communists in the top counterintelligence positions working for Russia, Uh, America had in the CIA huge moles. These are things known. Why should we be surprised about these things?
0: Human nature hasn't changed. So do you think this is step one to the new uh, um, attempt for Russia to take over the world? I don't think you
1: take over the world the same way I don't think you can eat an elephant in one piece. They say, how do you eat an elephant? Bite by bite. So I think uh, Putin has been very clear that he sees that the concept of America and Russia as being equal is second best. But even better is that Russia should be the one who sets terms. And that's what he's trying to do. And he said it so clearly. He's interviewed since 2007 saying these things 100% clearly. He, he doesn't, he's not mealy-mouthed about these things.
0: Now, he's not He's not the only one on the world stage seeking world domination. Whether, um, and, you know, I do wonder with the, the various players, you um, you know people don't realize and maybe it's and i th- i think it is probably correct that actually america's probably the biggest empire the world's ever known the amount of reach america's had it has been a different kind of empire um and so you have and and, and now it's it's america combination with um with, with major corporations and the kind of influence and control that's and this is not conspiracy talk, uh, people. This is the real thing. <laughs> is this really going on? Just look at what you're carrying in your pocket. Um, the reach—never before have we had such reach into so many billions of people's lives the world over through things like corporations. But then we have countries like China and, and, and other countries that also seem to have their eye on 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 the globe. Um, why should? should we be concerned and why that's going back to the earlier well, question like but the, the spiritual yeah. thing and you know shouldn't we just be praying for everybody's welfare and we want to bring the truth about the messiah to everyone and but does it does the politics and uh, and these military incursions should that matter to how much does they matter to us
1: the true north strong and free How is it strong and how is it free unless there's also the Vendus, which is also part of Canadian history for those who might remember that term. Um, Again, the Bible tells us so clearly again and again and again that there's different uh, animals. They don't use lambs and pigeons to describe the countries of the world. They use lions uh, and uh, bears and leopards uh and uh horrible beasts and so why should it be different yes china is rising yes it has very clear goals uh yes iran is looking to be the strongest power in the middle east over israel's dead body yes america is losing many of its spiritual foundations and 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 getting bifurcated in so many ways Yes, Russia is looking to see what it can do in this vacuum. Yes, these are all true things. And ultimately, if we look at the book of Daniel and see the description of the four empires which span uh, human history, uh, we see that uh, the last one, whatever it's going to be, is going to be horrendously evil. And uh, I think we're heading in that direction. But we as believers are called to do many different things. Remember the Roman centurion? What did Jesus say about him? Yeshua said, "I, amazing faith. I haven't found faith like that in Israel. So he was a military man with faith. So if there's one, maybe there's two. And so, yes, there's going to be prayer. There's going to be evangelism. And there's sometimes going to be fighting for your country. You know, it says, it doesn't say you're not supposed to have enemies. It says you're supposed to, love your enemy sometimes you may even have to kill your enemy
0: what i want what i want to get at is i have the impression like is it that we're just asleep like, i i get so one group of people just ignores most of what's going on and just tries to live their lives um then you have another group of people that just they're they love talking about all the politics and stuff now of course there's people on the ground in ukraine that are suffering right now and there's soldiers that are fighting but for those of us and well i, I want to get to to where you are in, in israel in a moment but for us sitting in in canada like our 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 biggest threat today is that it's april the 19th in ottawa And they predicted 10 centimeters of snow. So, you know, spring is not springing like it's supposed to. That's our big disaster here uh, currently. Um, We're so, these are just news stories to us. You know, some people have connections. There are refugees coming over. But for most people, these things don't really matter. Should they matter? And if they do matter, what are we supposed to do about it?
1: C.S. Lewis once said something very helpful. He said, God whispers in our pleasures and he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to raise a deaf world. I do not begrudge people from enjoying snow and digging themselves out from 10 centimeters. May we all have such problems. But at the same time, there are problems. Beating ourselves that we don't have those problems may not be healthy. But on the other hand, how to understand and be aware of them. If we receive our information only from the news media, we are uninformed. And it's not that you have to choose one position or the other. You need to study what's going on. And if you can have a major land war in Europe being led by a man who is totalitarian within his own country, people are not flocking to Russia the way they're flocking to America. America may be a controlling country, but it seems that everybody wants to go there. They don't want to go to Moscow. So there's something going on. We need to look at it. It's definitely not politically correct, but it's a threat, a major land war in Eastern Europe. That's a big deal. And I don't think it's over. And I don't, I think we're barely touching the surface of what's going to happen from that.
0: Do you think uh, the Western nations are doing enough in, in the current situation?
1: It's a really hard thing. Politics makes for strange bedfellows, they say. And um, the uh, issue going on here is what is enough? Uh, If America and Canada and Britain thought that Russia is going to take over Ukraine and then move on Poland and then from Poland move toward France, they might be more concerned But at this point, uh, there's a lot of talking going on and a little bit of help. Now, if you ask me, is Ukraine a lily white nation? No. Is Russia a lily white nation? Absolutely not. There's something in morality called a hierarchy of values and hierarchy of evil. And I think we are seeing a hierarchy of evil. And some people would just like to say a plague on both their houses which was one of the last lines of a hero in Romeo and Juliet. I don't think that's our response as believers here.
0: So, um, lately, uh, there's been some trouble in Israel that I have the impression it's been fairly underreported. There's been, we've been hearing about it a little bit. Do you want to describe what's been going on over the past couple sure. of weeks?
1: Again, I would say that uh, whether it's, if it's reported at all, it's not being accurately reported. (laughs) In other words, what I see in terms of what comes out in all the major stations that I've been looking has little connection to helping people to understand what's going on. And I've written articles about this in the past, dealing with the Temple Mount riots at various times. The issue of Temple Mount riots goes back to the 20s, 1920s, most people can't remember those days. But it's a um, thing that was used by Hajimein al-Husseini, who was a friend of Hitler's and Himmler's, uh, to basically whip up uh, the uh, Muslim population of this area in order to basically slaughter the Jews. Goes back to 1920, 29, 36, 39, etc. 47, 48. We don't have time for all the dates. Um, what has been going on here? And there's even movies of available of this. You have people uh, attacking Israeli police, um, going into the mosques with shoes on, which is illegal according to Islam. Uh, playing soccer in the mosques with uh, with soccer balls in the mosque, which is totally unheard of. Uh, tearing down just came out today. Tearing down Umayyad. Um, Uh, um, architecture, uh, which is a Muslim uh, architecture, ripping it down to throw stones at the uh, Israeli police. So this has happened again and again and again and again. It's nothing new. Happens around Ramadan, because Ramadan in the Quran is also mentioned as a time of battle. Uh, It's not just a time of fasting and and enjoying family fellowship, not not in the Quran. Um, and so the, the issue of what's going on, yeah, there's been rioting uh, against security forces in Israel, attacking police with Molotov cocktails, shooting at them, uh, basically uh, looking to maybe get some martyrs, unfortunately, so that that can then heat up the situation. This happens on a regular basis across the Middle East and also in Israel. But none of that context is given. And so it talks about Israelis shot. Well, why did they shoot? (laughs) Because people were throwing Molotov cocktails. Why were they throwing Molotov cocktails? See, that's what a good reporter needs to do. He needs to explain what happened and why. What they do is not that. They just say, oh, Israelis were shooting and some people got killed. So it's unfortunate. But uh, unless one does the work, one is not going to know what's happening.
0: Sorry, am I right that uh, this is the uh, the most these troubles have happened since last year's uh, conflict with Hamas?
1: Uh, well, there's Hamas, which shoots rockets from civilian populations into Israeli civilian populations. That's one thing. And then you have riots which happened among uh, certain Islamists within the country of Israel who are citizens of Israel. That was about a year ago around March because they were unhappy that Israel was fighting back about the rockets who were being fired from Gaza against Israel. So, yeah, there are different things that happen. It's never a dull moment here. It's the opposite of Canada. You know, They say that the 11th commandment is the Canadian one, thou shalt not commit thyself, and so that's not at all the way things work here it's a very active time here
0: now the way you've described it it sounds like there's no connection between what's going on with russia and ukraine and and the latest troubles in in israel during ramadan
1: i would say no i would say however yesterday uh after uh hamas fired some uh, rock some uh, other Uh, mortars or rockets into Israel, uh, into some kibbutzim next to the Gaza salient border. Uh, Israel went and um, attacked those firing zones, and there was a Strela rocket, a SA-7 Russian rocket, anti-aircraft rocket fired. So in that sense, yes, there was a Russian involvement in that situation, but... um, Russia is is very wise. They're much more subtle in many of the things they do than people in the West. And they're playing both sides in Syria and in Lebanon. At the same time, because Israel voted against their invasion, uh, they are now beginning to say nasty things toward Israel that we haven't heard since the 70s and the 60s. So ask me tomorrow and I'll know more
0: so one of the things about the the second world war that um in in my lack of knowledge i do find fascinating is there were these various interests that all kind of came to the fore at the same time that led to being a world war and i don't know who was talking to whom in in creating these various theaters of battle and all the rest but there was there's various totalitarian regimes fascist regimes and so on that were that were rising um led by by different people do you see that kind of bubbling happening today in the world
1: uh in one sense yes Uh, i would say that going back to the 10s and 20s you have the breakup of some uh bigger um european blocks uh, and then the sweeping in of two totalitarian solutions one was communism and one was nazism and so the fight between communism and nazism ended up happening in the east and if hitler had only focused on the east he would have had the support of britain canada and america and france but he said actually i want to go west also and so that's when it became a bigger war. The same thing with Japan. If Japan hadn't attacked America at Pearl Harbor, who knows what might have happened. So the support of totalitarian powers is very good business interest. For it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're Chinese or American or Russian, that's just the way it is. People are evil, their hearts need healing. And that's what we're dealing with. It's not just conspiracies of different superpowers. It's human hearts. that's the hardest thing to fix.
0: yeah so we're we're seeing all sorts of layers today of what I, I believe is encroaching totalitarianism. You brought up uh, Rod Dreher's book, Live Not by Lies, which I do recommend as he compares and contrasts what he calls the hard totalitarianism of of communism um, that's to the soft totalitarianism that he sees growing in the West. and so, Uh, If he's right, we have that happening in North America and Britain and other places, Australia and New Zealand. uh, While there's this other serious boiling occurring in in Russia, and we have the interest in Iran and in China. And and again, I, I guess I'm asking the same question. What are we on the brink of? Should we care? What should we do? How do we pray? You know, the things we pray
1: for, sometimes we don't want them to happen. Like the things I prayed for, I'm being facetious, when I was a 16-year-old Canadian are all happening now, and they're horrifying. Right? So the issue of uh, we pray for the Lord to return. For his return means many things, and we just need to open up the book of Ezekiel, Daniel, Isaiah, and Revelation to see them. There, some of them are kind of hard. And so, yeah, that's also part of the equation. Um, I think what's happened in in the planet over the past two years specifically has been to me amazing how people have been so willing to step back from a defense of civil liberties, which were hard won. And when that happens, it's really hard to get them back for various reasons. And I think that's an indication that totalitarianism, soft totalitarianism, is encroaching in the West. I think most people are asleep and unaware and have no idea what to do, and that's why those who are listening to your program, this may be in certain senses a a, a challenge to pray about these things and say, God, what can I do? If it were 1938 in Berlin, how should I be preparing?
0: Yeah, but you're what not allowed. For- you're not allowed to make equivalences between. The Nazi era and today, you know, that's that's. No, verbatim,
1: I'm not. Right? I'm not saying what it refers to, and I'm not saying how it happens. I'm just saying, if we're dealing with totalitarianism in any way, uh, then we need to be thinking of how can we prepare whatever is involved. I think specifically in terms of anti-Semitism, because the Bible says that's one of the markers of the end times, and uh, I think that that certainly liberals are not as liberal as they think they are when they're confronted with other liberals who disagree with them.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and so it it does look like the the, the playing field of life seems to be changing before our eyes worldwide. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things where I see direct equivalency between uh, the early days of the Nazi era and today is each time nobody really knew what was going on and that's that's part of our problem and uh, yeah. as um you know as quoted earlier from first corinthians 6 how much more than matters pertaining to this life we be, we believers and, and followers of the messiah who who treasure the scriptures we really should be some of the most informed we we should know under and understand the, the signs of the times and not pretend that nothing's happening or or just all oh, this stuff will just blow over and this sort of thing we, we really need to wake up uh, so that we can be the people that god really wants us to be in these days
1: I, I wholeheartedly say amen to that and it's a challenge to us because it causes us to have to weigh and think and sometimes we'll do anything we can to avoid those things
0: well May may the Lord help us to uh, to hear what He's saying and to and to obey Him. I, I'm so grateful for this time that uh, you've been willing to spend with me, and uh, hopefully we can do this again. Next time we'll do it in Russian. Oh, <laughs> you leave me speechless. Well, there you <laughs> in, go. In, in all sorts of languages.
1: Yes, indeed, Mirvam. Shalom Lecha. Peace to you.
0: And to you, Avner. Thank you so much. And so I'm going to put uh, links to Avner's writings in the description as well as his uh, just generally to his website. Uh, remember, you can. Uh, check out his writings, his CDs, and so on at davidstent.org. And if you have any questions for me, you can contact me at comments at thinkingbiblically.org. That's comments at thinkingbiblically.org. Remember to subscribe as well and and share uh, this podcast with others. So until next time, this is Alan Gilman with Thinking Biblically.